All right, amen. Well, it is good to be here with everyone tonight. Uh, so good to reconnect with uh, Pastor Jeff and uh, Dan and to see Mike and Dave and several of the, the other uh, leaders that are here tonight. Well, it's Wednesday, amen. the middle of the week, you know, the 50-yard line of the week. Uh, you've got half of the week behind you, and you have half of the week ahead of you, and I hope you're having a great week. Uh, how many of you are having a great week? Uh, how many of you are having a not-so-great week? There are a few. There are a few. Well, Wednesday night is an opportunity, really, to sort of stop in the middle of your week and to say, all right, Lord, uh, where am I when it comes to what you have for me to do? And what is it that you want to say and speak to my life? So, uh, so I've been praying about this night. It's, it's great to be here. Uh, we're, we're praying for Pastor Wayne and just believing the Lord to continue to heal him and strengthen him. And uh, blessed and privileged to be able to speak and minister and bring the word of God tonight and pray that what God has put on my heart will do something special inside of you and your heart tonight. I uh, really appreciate those prayers for my daughter. We have our second grandchild on the way, July. My daughter's name is Kara Joy, and her daughter is going to be Nora Joy. Now, when we, you know, my wife and I, Pamela and I, believe in the power of names, that it is important what you name your child. Uh, and it can, could even be strategic to how God works in their life. In other words, that the Lord could lead a parent when it comes to what they name their child. Well, little did we know when we gave Kara the middle name Joy that she was going to be like this bundle of energy. You know, 95% of the time, she is way up here. When she's down, she's way down. It's rare, but when she's down, she's way down. But we appreciate your prayers for her because she has a two-year-old boy, our grandson. He's doing great. She's had challenges with uh, this pregnancy, and we are just believing God to bring her through it really, really well. Well, I remember when my wife was pregnant, when Pamela was pregnant with our first baby. And you know, there's something about that first baby. Uh, you, you tend to take more videos and pictures of that first baby if you're gonna be really honest. I still remember my brother, you know, when I was a kid, they had those 16 millimeter, you know, cameras. And uh, my brother said, I've always felt bad. He's four years younger than me. He said, because dad and mom, they've got like two grocery bags full of videos on you. And with me, it's like a little Ziploc bag. You know, he said, they, they must have captured like every moment with you. But you remember those, uh, like those big camcorders that we used to use. You remember those? And you like, you had to have almost like a, a truck to bring it in. And you would go and video like a children's musical. And I don't know why we did this, but we videoed the whole thing. Like we're gonna watch the whole thing over and over again. You know, now we have phones so we can take the little strategic clips, you know, here and there, send them out right away. But I remember when Pamela was expecting Kristen. Well, the doctor told her, he said, now, you're, you're a little lady, you're small. So there's a good chance that you are not gonna be able to have natural childbirth. So C-section may be the option for you. And, uh, 
if you do have natural childbirth, then you're going to have to go to those breathing classes, the Lamaze classes. Uh, and if you're going to do that, then your husband needs to go with you to those classes. And, you know, we refer to him as either the dad or sometimes we call him the coach. So I'm never, I'm like, really? You sure you need me to go? Oh, yes, honey. I need you to go to those classes because you're going to help me. When I get ready to have that baby, you're going to be the one right beside me, helping me and coaching me along. So, you know, I, I walk the first night into these classes, and I got to admit, I'm a little, little trepid about it. What's this going to be like? You know, is it going to be weird? You know, and I, I walk in, and the instructor gets up and says, all right, the real technique of natural childbirth is all related to breathing. And you know, since then, I remember hearing a comedian, Sinbad, saying, you cannot breathe an eight-pound object out of your body. <laughs> and I thought, well, that makes sense to me. But this lady said, no, you're, you, you will very, Pamela will very possibly be able to have natural childbirth through breathing. And, you know, they began to talk to us and talk to us about different types of breathing. Now, breathing is so natural to us. You know, we're so used to being able to breathe. We don't really think about breathing a lot, but we do a lot of breathing. Uh, exhaling, inhaling, um, soaking up the oxygen in the air, expelling the carbon dioxide around us. Uh, we, we do a lot of breathing. As a matter of fact, it's one of the things in the world that you do the most, breathing. So they said there would be all kinds of breathing, deep breathing. Why don't you just take a, a deep breath right now? That feels good, doesn't it? Now, physiologically, so many things just occurred when you took that deep breath. It helped to oxygenate all parts of your body and enliven you and stimulate your brain and, and help you become alert. Also, for a number of you, it helped you feel a little relaxed for a moment. Uh, it almost was similar to maybe like a sigh or a, just a, a something that's relaxing. So they told us, they said, there's deep breathing. There's pant breathing. Now, you might wonder, what is pant breathing? No, it's not panting like a dog. It's la-ha, la-ho, la-ha. And I, I thought, this is weird when I was doing this stuff. This is just getting, this is getting, this is becoming like some, some kind of a cult thing, you know? <laughs> and they're teaching us all of these techniques, and I didn't know what was coming next. Slow breathing, exhaling, cleansing breaths, all of this detail. I felt like I was taking a course, a course in breathology. Um, all this detail about breathing. But then, the real interesting one was what they call the pain threshold test. That's where they told the dads to lay down. They instructed the moms to take their hand and to put it on the tender part of the husband's knee and to press gradually as hard as they could until it hurt. While they did that, we were to use the breathing, all these breathing techniques and to concentrate on it. And she said, you're going to be amazed at how much pain you're going to be able to endure if you simply learn how to breathe right. Well, I was amazed because what they did, as Pamela bore down, 
I was amazed at how much pain I was able to withstand. And I didn't know it until afterwards they said, all right, no breathing. Now press them just as hard. (laughs) And you knew, you knew that you've been able to endure this pain because of breathing. Now, the Holy Spirit is the breath of God to the body of Christ. To every believer, the Spirit is the breath of God. Without Him, we cannot breathe spiritually. Without breath, we cannot truly live. God created man. He breathed into him, and he became a living, what? Soul. He became a living soul. And you know, breathing is a wonderful thing. When we had our first baby, um... When we first had Kristen, I remember we went home, and instead of watching television, we got our TV trays, and we set them up next to her bassinet, her little cradle that, that my pastor and I had helped me build. And we laid her in there, and we're watching these little fingers and hands, and just watching her inhale and exhale, just watching her little lungs. And we're sitting there eating our meal, and this is just fascinating entertainment, watching her breathe. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils and the breath of life, and man became a living soul. There was a moment when Jesus gave the disciples a breathing lesson. It was near the end of his ministry. It's recorded in John 20, 22. And he breathed on them. The Bible says he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is something powerful, because you see, the Father introduced us to the Son. Jesus came to reveal the Father. But before he left, he told his disciples, I'm leaving. And I'm sure they were worried about that, because he'd only started Uh, a, a dynamic revolution that would change the world and he called people around him and he said oh yeah by the way I'm leaving you're in charge you get to hold the keys but then he said don't worry because wait until you see who's coming wait until you get introduced let me introduce you to the Holy Spirit and from John 14 to 17 he gives the resume of the Holy Spirit he said you know what I've been with you, but he's going to be inside of you. He's going to comfort you when you need comforting. He's going to correct you when you need correcting. That's not always as fun as the comforting. He's going to lead you into all truth. He even said, there will be a day when you will no longer need a teacher because the Holy Spirit will lead you into truth. He's going to remind you of the things that I've said. He's going to illuminate my words to you. And he's going he's to lead you and direct you. This wonderful Holy Spirit, Jesus began to talk about him with, with excitement. It's good that I go because the Spirit's going to come. And wait until you meet the Holy Spirit. You see, the members of the Trinity honor one another. But in a real way, the Father gave us the Son, introduced him to us. But Jesus came. Yes, salvation was his gift. The cross was his gift. But it was to deal with sin so that we could receive the Spirit, so that the Spirit could come inside of us. And Jesus, when he brought the Spirit to the disciples, notice, sometimes we get 
in Pentecostal churches, sometimes we get a little uh, frustrated or caught up with the mechanics of receiving the Holy Spirit. You know, we, well, should I stand? Should I lift my hand? Should I kneel? Uh, how should I do this? With Jesus, it was as natural as breathing. He just said, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, when, when God breathed into the lungs of Adam the breath of life, that meant that breath is a gift from God. Go ahead, take another one. That's a gift from God. That's a gift from God. He put that inside of you and me to make us a living soul. He breathed into us and made us a living soul. A.W. Tozer said, the church has tragically neglected this great liberating truth that there is now for the child of God a full and wonderful and completely satisfying anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here tonight. The Holy Spirit is here. Jesus is here. We don't have to conjure the Spirit up. It doesn't take like a, a certain kind of way to sit and to hold your arms and a certain song and a certain kind of cadence. The Spirit of God is here. Jesus has sent him. He's here. He's faithful to us. He wants to fill us with the Spirit more than we even want to be filled. It's as natural and supernatural as breathing to Jesus. Breathing is one of the four vital signs of life. Uh, our respiratory rate is one. Our blood pressure our body temperature, and our heart rate. Those are the four vitals. But one is breathing, breathing. So vital and important. Breathing enables us to talk. It enables us to laugh. I love, I love to laugh with uh, Pastor Jeff. Jokes and sharing things. But there's something therapeutic about laughing. There's something healing about the joy of the Lord. There's something liberating about about being able to laugh and just let that life be within us. God's in that. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The Spirit of God is in that and wants to use that for His glory. Also, uh, yawning. I hope there's none of that going on tonight. Uh, coughing, sneezing, all of this is related to breathing. Do you know your car breathes? You ever heard of this thing called an intake manifold? Your car depends on oxygen as well. You know, I remember one time we were driving to a church event in Boston when I was pastoring in Boston. It was a church picnic, and we had greeted people after church, so we're running a little bit late to get to this location. And we get in the car, and I look at the gas gauge, and I realize, oh, no, I forgot to fill the tank up yesterday. And we're on empty. Kristen, my daughter, is in the back, and she's about six or seven years old. And I'm bemoaning, I'm grumbling and complaining. And, uh, oh no, I should have done this, I gotta take care of this now. And Kristen said, Dad, just cover the empty sign. <laughs> I said, what'd you, Kristen, what did you just say? She said, Dad, just cover the empty sign. Just put, put a piece of paper over the empty sign. And she was serious. <laughs> but that always stayed with me because I thought, you know, I think we do that often in life. We get empty on the inside. We, we're troubled, we're struggling, we're, we're trying to get strength and motivation, and, but we cover the empty sign. We just deny it, we just keep going. We immediately turn to amusements when we're tired instead of amazement with God and who He is. We automatically, and understand me, 
Sometimes we run first to a medication instead of to meditation on the Word of God. And there's certainly a place for medication. There is, don't get me wrong about that. But I don't believe for a Christian that that should always be the first place that we run. Because when you meditate upon the Word of God, there's something therapeutic and healing about it. Sometimes we say, well, I'm just really busy. I have to get into another project. And we get so focused on projects and we run right past people. We miss people and we tell people again, oh, I'm just really busy right now. I'm not gonna be able to do that. Hey, would you like her? Would you and your wife like to go out? Or would you, hey, how about, no, well, this is a busy week. I've got a lot. How many of you know every week is a busy week? Every week is a busy week. I've got stuff, you've got stuff going on all the time. You and I have to prioritize what we need instead of being led about by all the things that we think we're supposed to have. Make room for the Spirit. Make room for the Holy Spirit. Uh, Francis Chan wrote a book several years ago about the Holy Spirit called The Forgotten God. (laughs) I think he's probably the most overlooked member of the Trinity. And yet he's the one that when Jesus ascended, he just before that said, here you go. I've been with you. He's going to be inside of you. It's going to be amazing what he does through you. You're going to do works that are greater than the works that I've done because the Spirit is going to work through all of you as you yield to him. So this this promise, John 14 to 17, I would encourage you, In the next few days, in your Bible reading, read John 14, chapter 14 to 17. You might want to read one chapter every day. Because these were the words of Jesus just before his crucifixion. These were the the last words. You know, we often look at the last words that a person shares as being very important. And these are those words of Jesus. And so much of them have to do with the Holy Spirit. But what I want to do here is talk to you about some of them. What I did is looked at, I sort of pulled out some of the nuggets that are in there and said, you know what? Here are seven promises to help you breathe better. These are promises to help you breathe better. Do you know the average person when they're resting, they breathe 16 breaths per minute. 960 breaths per hour. 23,000 breaths per day. 23,000, 8,400,000 breaths a year. You have a skill that you didn't even know. For a person that lives to 80 years, and this is if all of their breaths were rested breaths, 672 million breaths, everyone a gift from God. First promise, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to go to my father's house to get heaven ready for you. But I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to get you ready for heaven. I'm going to go to my father's house to get heaven ready, prepare a place for you. But I'm going to send my spirit to get you ready for heaven. So what does that mean? Spiritual life requires spiritual breath. If you want to do a bold work for God, you need to take a deep breath of God. If you want to go out in serving him, you need to draw in the breath and the life of the Spirit. Or you end up doing it in your own strength. You do it in your own flesh. 
You see, Jesus was our example. And even Jesus at his water baptism, remember, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. So that he was showing us that I'm not going to move into ministry until the Spirit empowers and enables me. And God does that for you and me. He gives us that. So Jesus is going to prepare a place for you, to get a place ready for you. And, but what God doesn't want us to do is just sit around and wait for that day. Because he's not only concerned about that house being ready, he's concerned about this house being ready. He wants you to be ready. So he allows people in our lives to sharpen us. Sometimes it's not just the person that encourages you that sharpens you. It's the person that irritates you that sharpens you. Could I confess something as a pastor? There was a day when somebody asked me when I was in another place far, far away, uh, hey, Bob, what can I pray for you about? I'm going to be praying for you tomorrow. What can I pray for you about? I said, well, I have this one person in leadership on my team and they are irritating me to no end. And I've tried everything I know. So, would you pray that the Lord would just lead them to another church? Can you imagine a pastor ever praying a prayer like that? Could you imagine it? So, the next day, this was a speaker that asked me and, uh, if I, what he would like me to pray about. I picked him up the next day to take him to the airport. And we're driving, and he said, hey, Bob, he said, uh, I prayed for you. I said, oh, you did? He said, yeah. And I really feel like the Lord gave me a word. I said, well, what was that, what was that word? And I was sort of hoping that he already knew where he was going to send this guy, because he was really irritated. I think he felt like he was supposed to be the policeman to the pastor. And uh, he said, the Lord told me that he's going to leave him right where he is for a while because he's using him to strengthen a leadership gift in you. And I thought, ooh, I rebuke that. (laughs) I I come against that. (laughs) No, do you know, to be honest with you, it struck a chord that felt a little bit too real. Sometimes it's somebody that loves you that'll tell you the truth. So God was using a challenging personality, let's call, you know, we all have our people that we get along with, you know, and then we have our extra grace required people. (laughs) This was an extra grace required brother, it was, and God used him. Another nugget in those wonderful promises that Jesus gave in John 14 to 17, it's this, having faith in Jesus will cause you to do the works of Christ and even greater works than he did greater works than he did. Now, we don't, certainly, we don't believe that we're going to do more astounding things than Jesus did. But you see, Jesus came to plant a seed that was going to grow into a kingdom. He came to do something in a few people that would spread to many people. And you and I get to be a part of that. So, great works require deep breathing. Great works require deep breathing. Do you know, Billy Graham was asked, if you could do it all over again, what would you have done differently? How would you have improved? And I'm thinking, how Billy Graham would have improved? I mean, I want to hear hear this, because I think he did a pretty good job of what he did and living his life for God. He said, you know what? I would have prayed and studied more and preached a little less. 
because he said, I believe the Spirit of God would have used me even more effectively if I'd done that. So Graham, who was known for being a man of prayer, said, I would have lingered more. I would have breathed in more of Jesus so that I had more to offer people, so that I was more alive in the Spirit of God. The third nugget, or the third promise, Jesus loves to answer our prayers. Now hear this, because it brings glory to God. Don't ever be bashful about asking Jesus. You know, he one day said to his disciples, up until now, you haven't asked for anything in my name. Ask, you'll receive, your joy will be made full. Jesus cares about your joy. He wants you to be full of joy. So, uh, he loves to answer our prayers because it brings glory to the Father. So in the kingdom of God, hear this, praying is like breathing. Praying is like breathing. Paul said, don't be anxious about anything. Uh, How many of you know that we live in an age in which there is an incredible increase of anxiety? So much anxiety. And our young people are feeling it. Young adults are dealing with anxiety at a staggering level. I cannot believe how often I see it, I hear about it, but they're they're challenges. They're, They're in a world where they're expected to have this perfect Instagram life. To be, to be a, not just a person, to be, but to be a brand before they're 16 years of age. And they're struggling. And so many of them are in the face of their phone and their computer more than they're in interactive faces with people in their lives. Learning, let the older teach the younger, and all these, these things that we could lose if we're not careful. So praying is like breathing. You need prayer just like you need breath. How long has it been since you breathe spiritually? You know, Bill Bright, who was the leader of Campus Crusade for Christ, believed in what he called spiritual breathing. That sometimes he would just get overwhelmed. He'd say, God, right now, I'm just going to ask you, I need you, and I'm just going to pray, and then I'm just going to breathe. And I pray that you would breathe your spirit in me. God, would you just breathe? In other words, it's almost like you said, I want to go to that room where the disciples were and have Jesus receive the Holy Spirit. It's almost like I'm like Adam and I'm on the ground and I'm like a piece of clay and I don't have what it takes to do what I need to do next. And God breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living soul. God breathed into me. Breathe into my spirit, God. Breathe into my my service. You breathe into my marriage, God. Breathe into my heart. Breathe into my family. Breathe into my children. God, while they sleep tonight, breathe the breath of life into them. Touch them. Breathe, breathe, Jesus, upon my family. Breathe upon your church, Lord Jesus. Let the, the breath of God come upon us. Another nugget. Jesus will ask the Father to send the Spirit to us to help us and to always be with us. How many of you would admit, I could use some help tonight? I could use some help, God. I could use some help. Jesus said, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to send you out into this world without comfort. 
I'm not going to send you into a world that's full of demons and evil and darkness and temptations without the Spirit to come upon you. You may be in a season of testing right now and you don't even know it, but you're having a wilderness experience like Jesus had. And you're having to learn how to use your prayer life to come against the enemy. And you're having to learn how to use the armor of God to come against the enemy. So Jesus sent us the Spirit, listen to this, so that he could be as close to us as our next breath. Of all the things that Jesus would compare the Spirit to, let's think, all the different things that we do every day. Oh, I know. They're going to breathe 675 million times during their life. That's, what I, that's a metaphor I want to use. That's what I want them to think of. Remember that uh, police song, Every Breath You Take? <laughs> well, let me tell you, the dude in that song is going to be doing a lot of watching if he's watching with every breath you take because you're talking 675 million of those. Jesus said, with every breath you take, I will never forsake you. I will never, I don't care how, care how far away you might think I am right now. I'm that close. I'm that close. The Spirit of God is that close. Another nugget. The Spirit will teach us and remind us of everything that Jesus said. I love this because it's like the Holy Spirit has a flashlight and He illuminates those red letter words of Jesus. And we read them and they just pop out and they touch us. They fill us. They, They bless us. Do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be dismayed. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Your next breath, that's how close he wants to be. That's how close the Spirit is. He said, you know what? Spirit is always related to breath and wind. So if I'm going to go back to heaven, I'm leaving the breath of God with you. Remember that old hymn? Some of you, breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew, that I may love the way you love and do what you would do. Breathe on me, breath of God, until my heart is pure, until my will is one with yours to do and to endure. Breathe on me, breath of God. Would you say that with me? Breathe on me, breath of God. Breathe on me, breath of God. The Holy Spirit helps us do more than just read the words of Jesus. He helps us breathe in the words of Jesus. You know, A.W. Tozer said, long before the Word of God became ink on a page, the Word of God is spirit and life. God spoke, and the words came in, the world came into order by His power. So he said, it's not just the reading words that are powerful. It's when God breathes those words upon you. The, the last two, the sixth one, the Spirit will enable us to tell other people about Jesus. That's the great thing. I don't care if you're an introvert, an extrovert, whatever vert you, know, you are. Uh, I don't care. The Spirit begins to fill you. You love Jesus. You want to tell people about it. Now, you may not be the boldest person in the world, but in your own way, you're going to let them know. And they're watching you, and that's the Spirit. God wants to breathe into you so that you can breathe His life into others. It's like resuscitating someone. And then, lastly, 
The Spirit will lead us to a joy that no one will ever be able to change. Listen to what he said in John 16. When a woman is about to give birth, she's in great pain. But after it's all over, she forgets the pain. She's happy because she has brought a child into the world. You are now very sad, but later I will see you. And you will be so happy that no one, listen to this, no one will be able to change the way you feel. How do you like that? No one will be able to change the way you feel. When the Spirit is filling you, when the Spirit of God is within you, why? Because when those emotions change, when you're prone to be anxious, you remember, don't be anxious about anything, but do what? Breathe, pray about everything. And the peace of God that transcends all human understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? How do we receive him? In the Bible, it's breath, wind, and fire that is the Spirit, how he manifests himself. The breath of God, the wind of God that blew at Pentecost, and the fire of God. But you see, it's not simply a one-time experience. It's a daily breathing in of God. So tonight my focus is not predominantly on a one-time experience. It's on with that experience that is so important. Are you practicing God's presence? Are you breathing? Are you just pushing ahead? Are you covering the empty sign? Oh, I know, I need some, I need to pray. You know, pretty soon here, I need to fast and pray for a while. And you, we say it over and over and over again. But are we taking time to breathe? Jesus said, I want to be so close to you that I'm as close as your next breath. Let's pray. Lord, I praise you for men and women of God tonight. You know all the different things that they're walking through, the opportunities and the challenges. And yet your spirit is here tonight. Your Holy Spirit is here. Just as present, if not more present than the breath, the oxygen that surrounds us. Jesus, you are here. So Lord, would you allow us for a few moments to step back into that room with those disciples? That John 20, 22 room where Jesus said, receive the Spirit. Receive the Spirit. And where your followers say, breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew that I may live as you want me to live and do the things that you want me to do. Breathe on me, breath of God. I want to invite you tonight just to do this right where you are. No matter what it is you're, you're walking through or dealing with in life, I want to invite you just to stand and to breathe in the breath of God as we worship. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask the Spirit to just come and to breathe the Spirit of God afresh within you. He's here. Jesus is as close as your next breath. And he says, let me introduce you to the Holy Spirit. Let me introduce you to the gift that I died on the cross for you to be full of. Lay your struggle down. Lay your burden down. And as I pray in a moment, we're going to also open up these altars. Because some of you will want to come and have someone pray for you, lay hands on you and pray for you. It's a beautiful way to just pray for someone else. It's almost like the breath of God that we've experienced 
We're praying that God would breathe that breath in someone else. But then there are others of you that say, you know, I just need to breathe in God's Spirit right where I am. I need to draw upon His strength and His life. I need need to ask Him to fill me afresh where I am. So if that's you, just stand. And let's all stand together and just begin to worship the Lord. Lord, we praise You. You are God, greatly to be praised. You're the one that looked at your disciples and you said, I want to fill you with my breath. I want to fill you with my life. We pray that you would do that, Jesus, that you would do that. And even now, as we sing this song, Lord, we pray that you would breathe on spirits. For the mom that's discouraged, that you would help her breathe life upon her. For the children that we're thinking about that are represented here, that need the breath of God, that you would breathe upon them. For the businessman with multiple, and businesswoman with multiple decisions to make, would you breathe on them the breath of God tonight? We trust you, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Let's worship God. These altars are open. Come, come. Someone would love to pray for you and say, Lord, just fill them afresh with your spirit tonight. Let's breathe in his presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise your Holy Spirit. For you yes, oh God, breathe upon our hearts and lives tonight. The breath of God, the Hear life of God, the Spirit of God. Breathe Hear on me, Jesus. Breathe on us tonight. We want to be discouraged hearts would be touched by your breath. Parents would be touched by the breath of God. Father, tonight. We bless you Your Worthy are you. Worthy are you, Jesus. Fill with your spirit tonight, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you. Breathe your words upon us tonight. Yes, God. Hallelujah. Yes, God. Hey, brother. I'm doing well.
we praise you. We bless you for the breath of life that is in this room tonight. The Spirit of God that is with us. You're the one that gave us the Spirit as a promise. And you said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You're as close as our next breath. And we thank you, Lord. You know, we, we talked about uh, pregnancy. And I told you that the doctors told Pamela, you may not be able to have natural childbirth. So what ended up happening is that she did. She did have a baby naturally. She's had four of them naturally, but a lot of breathing, <laughs> a lot of breathing and a lot of trusting God through it in the midst of it. So there are so many things that God is wanting to do in and through our lives but we cannot do them without the Spirit, without breathing in the Spirit of God and allowing Him to flow through us. So what I encourage you to do this week, in addition to reading John 14 to 17, is when you feel anxious, let it be like a trigger that reminds you to breathe, that reminds you to pray. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything, and the peace of God will come to you. So often the answer is much closer than we even know. But we're looking and searching and trying to find it. And God says, be still, <laughs> be still and know that I am God. Don't just look for it in the next amusement, but look for it in the amazement of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And the amazing thing that he's promised us, the spirit of God, and that he would be with us through every step of the way. So turn to somebody this week and say, get busy breathing. Turn now to somebody and tell them, get busy breathing. Amen. God bless you. Uh, have a wonderful week.